Good morning, Victory family, and happy Mother's Day. I am so honored to be bringing you the message today. Wow, I miss y'all so much. I'm actually envisioning like all my girls sitting right here next to me in this chair because I wish I could see you, but I know you're there and I know you're praying for me and I so appreciate that. So you guys, I do not take this lightly. Um, so I wanna thank my husband, your pastor, for giving me the privilege to be able to bring the message to you today. While I am going to be speaking primarily to mothers, I just want you to know that there is something in this message for everyone. So don't tune out. Trust me. Let's pray. Father, I come before you so humbled and honored that I get to bring the message today. And Lord, I am just asking for you to go before me and let nothing about me, about my personality or anything be a distraction or be a hindrance from what you want to say to your people. Lord, you've already spoken this word to me. And so I count it a privilege to be able to speak it to others. Father, will you just have your way this morning, God? We honor you and we praise you. And I'm so thankful to be your servant this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I saw this pen on Pinterest a while ago and it so resonated with me. Here's what it says. I feel like I'm living in this constant state of too much and not enough. Like the days are passing by too fast or too slow and I'm always overwhelmed or empty. If anyone can relate to that, it's mamas. Have you ever felt or even said, I'm just a mom? I know I have more times than I can count. It's an easy thing to think when we get caught up in the everyday mundane routine, right, um, of motherhood. You feel like all you do is cook and clean and do laundry and dishes and help with homework and chauffeur and bath and bedtime, repeat. And a lot of times we find ourselves just surviving. But I wonder if it's possible, if there's a way to not just survive motherhood, but to thrive. And I think, no, I know the answer is yes. And that's what I wanna to talk to you about today. I think it all starts with how we view ourselves. I wanna read two definitions to you. And these are two separate words, but I think that they're very similar. So see if you can guess what words these definitions describe. The first one says, someone who sacrifices many of their wants and needs for the wants and needs of others. One who works hard to make sure that others are equipped with the knowledge, skills, and abilities to make it as a competent human being. The second definition says this, a person who leads or commands a group, someone who guides other people, a powerful person who controls or influences what other people do. Now, I don't know about you, but those definitions sound very similar to me. The first definition that I read was actually for the word mother. The second definition that I read was for the word leader. So moms, like it or not, by definition, you are a leader. I'm gonna read it to you again just to prove my point, okay? A person who leads or commands a group, AKA kids. Someone who guides other people, a powerful person who controls or influences what other people do, y'all. That is what a mother does. A mother leads. Now, the question is, do you believe that you're a leader? Some of you might confidently say, yes, I know I'm a leader and you've learned how to own that and that is awesome. But some of you may not quite be 
right there. And we're gonna change that today, that's okay. Because guess what? I'm gonna talk to you like the leader you are. Now, before we uh, break this down, I just wanna clarify that I'm not talking about you being a leader over your husband, okay? The Bible is very clear uh, about the structure of a home and that the, that the husband is the leader of the household. So don't be getting all cocky and be like, mm-hmm, Miss Darla says I'm the leader, so I'm about the way. That's not what I'm saying. But alongside your husband, you are a leader because you are leading your children. Now to my single moms out there, you are playing both roles possibly. And so first of all, snaps to you. You deserve all the kudos. And I'm so honored to be speaking to you, especially on this topic as a leader, because you, my sister, are an amazing leader at what you're doing as a single mama. So moms, I want you all to do me a favor and I want you to repeat after me. And I want you to pretend that I'm right there in the room with you and I'm staring at you in your eyeballs. So I want you to say it out loud. I am not just a mom. I am a leader. Now, how did you feel saying that? Awkward? Okay, talking to a screen is probably a little awkward, but I wonder if it's also a little awkward because you don't believe it. And I wanna help you with that unbelief. This idea that mothers are leaders is not new and it didn't come from me. This idea is actually supported by scripture and I wanna prove it to you. Proverbs 31 gives us a beautiful picture of what a leader looks like. I'm gonna start in verse 10. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She finds wool and flax and busily spins it. She is like a merchant's ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for the household and plan the day's work for her servant girls. She goes to inspect a field and buys it. With her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She is energetic and strong, a hard worker. She makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. Her hands are busy spinning thread, her fingers twisting fiber. She extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. She has no fear of winter for her household, for everyone has warm clothes. She makes her own bedspreads. She dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. Her husband is well known at the city gates where he sits with other civic leaders. She makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to all the merchants. She is clothed with strength and dignity and she laughs without fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise and she gives instructions with kindness. She carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. Now, if that is not a leader, I don't know who is. This chick is a capital B boss babe, right? Now, I know that sometimes we can be intimidated when we read the Proverbs 31 woman, but it's not meant to be intimidated, intimidating. It's actually meant to inspire us. It's meant to inspire you to be your version of the Proverbs 31 woman. But to become our version of this kind of leader, it doesn't just happen on a whim and a prayer, right? 
we have to step into that calling and embrace the role of a leader. Now, I think we have a few things working against us here, and I wanna talk about that for a little bit. So in order for us to step into that calling and step into that belief, we have to figure out why we're not believing that, why we're not feeling like we're the leader that we are, right? So to learn about this first trap, um, we're gonna take a little stroll to the house of a friend. Now, if you have any familiarity with the gospels, especially with the um, gospel of Luke, then you have found yourself in this person's house before as a viewer. And if not, that's okay, because we're going to get to know her today. Let's go visit our dear friend, Martha. Martha, Martha, Martha. <laughs> um, I've learned a lot over the years from reading and rereading and rereading the story of Mary and Martha, but this for some reason does not stay learned in me. Um, I need to uh, reread it and relearn it um, very often. And so Martha is going to show us how we can avoid the trap that I'm gonna call the captivity of activity. So I'm gonna turn to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits there while I do all the work? Tell her to come help me. Can't you just hear her saying that? Tell her to come help me right now. If you haven't said it, you thought it, okay? But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken from her. Now, before we give Martha too hard a time, um, I do want to point something out. Um, she was the one that opened up her home to Jesus, right? Um, and I might pose this to you. If Mary and Martha live separately, Maybe the reason that Mary wasn't the one to invite Jesus to her home was because it was too messy. Anybody? <laughs> that would be my house. What? Jesus is coming? No, send her to Martha's house. Send her to Martha's. Um, Martha was actually able to open her door because there wasn't piles of laundry blocking the door from being opened, right? If I was going to go visit somebody's house, I want to go visit Martha's house because if you're like me, I'm going to bring my Mary into Martha's house. I'm gonna bring my mess into Martha's house, into the scene. And so I wanna to go to Martha's house. So let's notice that she's not faulted for making preparations, but she didn't keep the pre in her preparations. It's not that the work was wrong, but she got distracted by all she had to do. And I've learned this, if Satan cannot bring you down with destruction, he will use distraction. Martha was around the presence of God, but there's a big difference between being around it and being in it. And this is often true for those of us in ministry, uh, whether you're volunteering or whatever the case, if you're serving, sometimes we feel like we're constantly surrounded by the presence of God without actually entering in. And we get caught in the busyness and the preparations that we forget to stop and enter in. 
I'm actually so thankful for these past couple of months because it's afforded us the opportunity to, sh to slow down and to not be so easily distracted, right? Um, it's not that what we were doing or even the pace at which we were doing it was wrong, but it wasn't always necessary. And God is teaching me and my husband how to choose the meaningful over the urgent. And that is hard to do, you guys, especially in today's time with our technology. I mean, we're available 24-7. We're just a text message away. We're an email away. And that causes these false urgencies that distract us so easily from what is actually important. So let's take a lesson from Mary and Martha and not fall into the captivity of activity, but instead filter our to-do list through what's truly meaningful, not what feels urgent. I have a feeling that in that moment, while Martha's gifts were important and she was using them to serve the Lord, that he would have rather had her gaze than her gifts. The second trap that can get us stuck in a place of just surviving and not thriving in motherhood is the disease to please. Women are so good at loving and nurturing and showing compassion by nature. And I think that sometimes when we do care so much about others, that can quickly turn into worrying about what others are going to think and say about us. And we can quickly get caught in this revolving door that we can't escape. And we're feeling exhausted and empty because we can't please everyone all the time. Now, I understand that this can be deep-rooted, right? This disease to please can stem from the way we were raised and a number of different variables. But it can prove to be very detrimental if we don't understand where it's coming from and why we have this disease to please. Um... There was a time where uh, Troy mentioned a pile of shoes that was building up in our bedroom. And he didn't mean anything by it. It was kind of one of those passive aggressive comments of like, man, there's a lot of shoes over there. <laughs> and I took such great offense to that because I took just took that very personally. Like he was attacking my homemaking skills. I mean, you would have just thought he ripped me a new one. And all he did was comment on this pile of shoes. Um, and, a, a, and I just let him have it. And a few days later, I made a comment on some clothes that were hanging in our closet walkway because I was doing something in and out of the closet and it was getting on my nerves that I was having to like, um, duck and maneuver my way uh, behind his clothes. So I mentioned something, not in a spiteful way, in the same manner that he mentioned the shoes. And he said, now hold on a minute. How can I get berated for mentioning the pile on the shoes, but it's okay for you to mention the pile of clothes? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I, we had to have a conversation because he, he, he got me in that moment. And I was like, I don't know why that made me so upset. And through conversation, it came, I, I discovered that I had, I had this disease to please that when he commented on the pile of shoes very innocently, I took great offense to that because I so badly want him to be happy in our home and be happy with my work and how and how I'm keeping up the home. So that disease to please came to light in me. 
And um, it caused me to be offended when there was no real reason for offense. And so I just want to shed light on that for you today that maybe there are some things in you that seem like good things. They seem right, that you just want to please. But sometimes we get so caught up in pleasing others that it distracts us. So like Martha, I found myself getting distracted by what was not important. What was important is that I'm trying my best and I'm trying to make a home that makes my husband happy. And I got distracted by that disease to please that I got offended. So the Lord's still working on me, okay? Um, the third trap that I want to talk about is called the someday syndrome. Have you ever said, someday I'll get to that or someday I'm gonna get serious about fill in the blank? As moms, it's easy to get caught up in the someday syndrome, um, especially when your kids are born, you immediately go to catering to them for years. And it's easy to lose yourself in that, right? One day we might just wake up and look in the mirror and hardly recognize the woman looking back at us. And it might be easy to blame parenthood for that, but that's not really fair to our kids. Um, I know for me, one of my biggest causes of the someday syndrome is fear. Fear of failing, fear of the unknown. I just don't even want to start because I'm scared of maybe not finishing or just fear of failure. So how do we get over the fear and turn someday into today? Well, the opposite of fear is faith. And the Bible tells us in James 2.17 that faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless. So in order to cast out fear, we have to take action. So let's do that. I'm going to give you three action steps that will help get you out of these traps to get you out of the captivity of activity, the disease to please, and out of the someday syndrome. Number one, guard your yes. Let everyone see that you are considerate in everything you do. It's okay to say, let me get back to you. This takes the pressure off of having to make a split-second decision and you can actually take time to consider it. Just because it's a good thing doesn't make it the right thing for you. The second thing that I want you to start doing is practice your peace. In that same chapter in Philippians, it says, don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And jump down to verse nine. It says, keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. God's peace in your heart and mind can protect you from being pulled away from what brings joy to your life. Guilt is not a reason to say yes. We can't allow the fear of what other people are going to think about us dictate our choices. Eleanor Roosevelt said it like this, other people's opinions of you are none of your business. I love that. Go first lady. T.D. Jakes said it like this, you can't have a private relationship in a public arena. Meaning, you have to choose the few people in your life whose opinion really matters. 
when I was in college, I had broken up with an ex-boyfriend or broken up with a boyfriend. And I was wanting to show off the fact that I had moved on and I had moved on with Troy. <laughs> um, but I so badly just wanted him to see me happy and see that I had moved on and, and hurt him in, in some way, I guess. And I was spending so much time and energy uh, emotionally with, on this thought. And um, my roommate sat me down one day and I was venting to her about this and walking her through this whole process. And it's like, oh, I just want to show up and let him see how happy I am and everything. And she just looked at me straight in the eyes. And she said, Darla, why do you care what he thinks? And that was such a defining moment for me because I did not have a good answer. I had moved on, he had moved on, and I was dwelling in this place of giving him access to an opinion of me that actually mattered and it shouldn't have. So let me ask you the same thing. Why do you care what other people think of you if you have not given them permission to have that opinion of you? Sis, stop caring so much about what other people think about you. You have to give them permission. You get to choose. You get to pick those few people. Count them on one hand. Few people that have the power to have an opinion in your life that actually matters. The third thing that we can do to stay out of these traps is to start acting like a leader. Now, one of the reasons that a lot of times we don't feel like a leader is because people aren't treating us like a leader. But can I say something to you, sis? If you want to be treated like a leader, you got to start acting like a leader, okay? Now, maybe you don't know what that looks like, and that's okay. I'm going to give you some habits of leaders that if you'll start implementing these into your everyday life, I promise you are going to start seeing a huge difference. Okay, we're going to actually follow the example from our very own boss babe in Proverbs 31. Now, she gives us phenomenal examples of healthy habits that are characteristics of any good leader, okay? So the first habit is um, become an early riser. And this comes right out of verse 15. She's an early riser. Okay, real talk. No, I am not an early riser by nature. If you know me at all, you know that I am a night owl, like up with the birds night owl. <laughs> I I, I feel like I focus better at night and uh, I can get things done because everybody's asleep. That's the thing for me. I'm not being pulled in a million different directions. However, I have found that I am a much happier mommy and a more productive person when I start my day in the right way. And here's what that looks like for me. I heard it said um, in a book or somebody said it and said, wake up for your kids, not to your kids. And what that looks like is the minute your eyes pop open doesn't need to be to someone needing you, crying or screaming or needing breakfast or needing their diaper change or whatever it is. You need to be ready for that when it comes. And so for me, forcing myself and choosing to be a morning person. Yes, I'm putting that out there. I'm, I'm speaking life over myself. I, I am a morning person. I want to become a morning person. So I'm speaking that and I'm putting that into practice. I want to wake up for my kids because when I wake up to my kids, I ain't happy. <laughs> 
and I'm grouchy and I'm, I, it's just not good. And so I want to start a habit of becoming an early riser because when I do that, I'm able to have my, my me time, my Jesus time. And my kids need me to have my Jesus time. Anybody? They need me to have my Jesus time because I need, I need the Holy Spirit to guide me through my day. Okay. So even if it's not natural to you, okay, I am a living testimony. It is possible. We have to choose to get up early so that we can wake up for our day, not to our day. The second habit that I want to talk to you about is putting your health first. In verse 17, the Proverbs 31 woman is described as strong and energetic. Okay. Um, it's kind of like when you get on an airplane ride, right? And they're going through all the all the exits and all the, the information and the pamphlets and everything, and they get to the oxygen masks, right? The oxygen masks drop down. And what do they tell you to do first? They tell you to put your oxygen mask on first and then someone else's who needs your help, your children, your spouse, whoever's around you that needs your help. Why do they do that? Because you're going to be no good to anybody else if you can't breathe, sis. So let me say this to you. If we do not take care of our physical bodies, the dreams that we have are going to die with it. Okay. We have got to start treating our body like the gift that it is. Our bodies are a gift. So we have to start acting like it. Okay. This leads me into our third habit. Be intentional with your time. In verse 17, it describes the Proverbs 31 woman as a hard worker. And the whole chapter just describes how how intentional she is with her time. She is working hard, but she's working on the right things. She does not waste her time. Her her dealings are profitable, right? And there's a quote that says, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. That hurt me a little bit (laughs) because there's some things that I do not do with excellence, right? I hear this excuse a lot. I don't have time. And I've said it, you guys. I say it. Um, I don't have time to work on my dreams. I don't have time to work on my goals. But sis, let me challenge you the way someone challenged me. I said the same thing. And here's the fact. We all have the same 1,440 minutes in the day. It's up to us how we choose to spend it. If you have time to watch Netflix, then you have time to work on your, your dreams and your goals. I'm not knocking watching TV by any means, um, but I am trying to help you see that you do have a choice in how you spend your time. And how you spend your time is up to you. Let's take a lesson from the Proverbs 31 woman. She's not watching Netflix. (laughs) Now, I know she wasn't alive. Uh, There wasn't Netflix back then, but I'm just saying she's setting a precedent for us. She is staying up late and rising up early, and she is constantly busy with the right things. Everything that she does is profitable and it brings value to her home. Again, I'm not knocking downtime. We need that. I'm all about self-care because that protects you mentally as well. And we need that to be a good mom. But let's not waste time. You can work in times of relaxation and self-care. But when it becomes where that's becoming more often than not, then that's when it becomes an issue and it, and it doesn't need to become an excuse, right? Habit number four, mind your mind. In verse 26 in Proverbs 31, she's described and says, when she speaks, her words are wise. Now, we all know that what comes out of our mouths 
originates in our hearts and our minds, right? So if we don't mind our minds, then we won't be able to control our mouths. We all have that head trash in our minds, right? So it's constantly roaming around in our head. And the only way to, to stop stinking thinking is to take out the trash and instead feed our minds truth. How do you do that? Well, one of the ways we can do that is to practice gratitude. If you would start your morning with gratitude, just writing down five things you're grateful for, then you'll spend your day looking for things to be grateful for. And when you spend your day looking for things to be grateful for, looking for blessings, you find them. And then when you find blessings all throughout your day, all of a sudden, it changes your perspective about what is possible. This practice will help you see your life differently if you commit to doing it. Commit to starting your day with gratitude. Another way that we can mind our mind is to read and listen. You guys, leaders are readers. Leaders are listeners. Leaders are learners. If you're the smartest person in the room, find a different room. Surround yourself with people that not only encourage you, but challenge you. Challenge you not to stay where you are and settle for less than your best. Sis, there is so much inside of you. And I just want to take every one of you by the shoulders and shake you so that you can see the potential that is waiting but we have to decide to believe that. We have to decide to believe there's more for me. I'm not just a mom. I'm a leader and I'm going to start acting like it. If I had to leave one final prayer, one final thought for you, mamas, it's this. I pray that you will have a decided heart. Because once you have a decided heart, everything is possible. And it doesn't matter what your circumstances look like because you've decided that this is the way you're gonna be. This is the way it's gonna, you're gonna act. This is the way you're gonna speak. It's not gonna be dependent on anything else around you. This is the way it's gonna be. I'm a leader and I'm gonna start acting like it. Because the moment you decide that is the moment that everything changes. When you wake up in the morning and your feet hit the ground, you know what the enemy is gonna say? Oh snap, she's awake. Look out, this girl is about the kingdom. She knows I'm out to distract her and she's not easily distracted. She's not easily swayed. She picks up her sword first thing in the morning and praises God out of gratefulness in her heart. And she starts speaking life over her day and life over her family and life over her friends. Look out, she's awake. Okay, one last time, I want you girls to repeat after me loud and proud. I am not just a mom. I am a leader. God, I speak that and I declare that over every single mom and every woman with an earshot of my voice. You have called us all to step into this role of leader as a mother. And so I pray, God, that we have been so moved to step into that role that we will start treating ourselves like that leader and forming habits every single day that will cause us to grow and, and not only grow in ourselves, God, but grow closer to you in intimacy with you, God, because you're calling that out of us. You're calling that leadership out of us, Lord. And I pray, God, that someone can just capture that vision. Father, we love you and we praise you, Lord, for everything that you are. And I celebrate 
mothers all around. I celebrate the mamas of Victory Church. I celebrate the mamas who are listening to this. And I thank you so much for the calling of a mom and a leader that you've placed on my heart. And I do not take that lightly. I praise you and I bless you in Jesus name. Amen.